Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. So welcome to Freedom Church. Welcome to those listening on the podcast. Welcome if it's your first time here at Freedom Church. It's great to have you with us. We are continuing our teaching this morning on the story of Joseph living the dream, living the dream and rediscovering this powerful story of his Joseph and his not-so-technicolor dream coat as we learned about the very first week. And um, one of the challenges of being a church leader is that everyone thinks they know what you should do. I'm trying to eyeball everyone here, because you all think you know what I should do. And the only problem with that is I also think that I know what I should do. And sometimes I've had these um, awkward conversations where people want to come and tell me what they think I should do. And I know you're thinking, no, that can never happen. Surely, whatever you do, Sim, is perfect. Well, sometimes people don't agree, and they come and see me, and we have these conversations. And uh, without going into all the details, I, I have two responses. Neither are good. All right? So people come, and they tell me what we could do better. And I either respond, either inwardly or outwardly, defensively. I get offended. I go, no, we're doing things really well, we're working really hard, and we've got some great things going on, and I can, I can take offence, and I can get defensive, I can get upset. That's one response. Another response is I can go, yeah, they're right, I am an idiot. I have got this so wrong, I have messed up, and I take on board criticism, and I carry it around like a massive weight. Both of those responses are unhealthy, and they harbour inside of me sometimes an unforgiveness towards the person bringing their concerns. The truth is, if you've ever had those kind of conversations, you've ever been criticised for what you've done, the truth is, for each one of us, there's always something to learn. Always something to learn. And there's always an element of what people bring to you that's also not true. And you should never carry and never take on board. And actually, that person's just bringing their stuff and trying to put it on you. But here's the thing I want to talk about today, is I want to talk about how do we overcome unforgiveness. Overcome unforgiveness. If, if you are 10 years old or over, this is a real issue for you. So we can look at each other and pretend and go, actually, I'm fine. I've never had any hurts in my life. I've never had any problems. I've not, no unforgiveness within me. I am sorted. But the reality is, each one of us have faced the challenge of forgiving someone who we don't really want to forgive where we've been offended, we've been hurt, we've been uh, let down by somebody. And I want to use the story of Joseph and to tell the story of Joseph where he goes through some pretty challenging times and look at how we can learn from that story and overcome unforgiveness. This could be really challenging this morning, but it could also set some people free. And I'm believing that people will be set free this morning through what I'm going to say. And, 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 and these sort of conversations can be quite tricky. And you can already, you can be, oh, no, don't even try to come near me, Sam. I'm, I'm protecting myself. The walls are going up. Or we say, you know what? I want to be set free. Here's an opportunity to step into freedom, to unlock myself and to release me from that which I've got caught up in. So a quick recap then of the last couple of weeks just to catch you up on the story of Joseph. Um, so we have the moment where J- Joseph is a 17-year-old precocious teenager I haven't got any precocious teenagers in the room at all, anyone? A few of you, maybe. And he's this kind of jumped-up young man, and he is, like, he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder, and he's, he's a bit arrogant, and he tells his 11 brothers how brilliant he is. 
And Joseph is part of an incredible dynasty. His great-granddad was Abraham. His granddad was Isaac. His dad was Jacob. I mean, they're like the big kind of heroes, the patriarchs of the, um, the Jewish faith. And um, they always talk about them in history. And Joseph is the favorite of Jacob. And he makes sure all of his brothers know that. And he brags about it. And he has dreams. And one day he has a dream. He tells his brothers, you know what? One day I'm going to be in charge of you all. You're going to kneel down and I'm going to stand up tall. I'm going to be in charge. I'm going to be the boss. And they hated him for it. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. And then um, it couldn't have got any worse. His brothers grab hold one day. They're so annoyed with him and so frustrated with him. They actually get hold of him. They, they, they throw him into a pit and eventually sell him into slavery. They sell him into slavery and they get sold into Egypt, uh, where a man called Potiphar, who lives in a palace because he is the he's head of the guard uh, for Pharaoh, and he becomes a slave of Potiphar. And you'll find all this story in Genesis 37 and Genesis 39 and 40 will be in today. So get your Bibles open and, and you can then glance around there. And um, in this moment where Joseph was sold into slavery, and last week you'll have heard from Trevor Bond uh, brilliantly, this idea about this, this, this moment he had where he's a slave in a house and he has to pre-decide what his behaviour will be. And he, he makes the right choices, he makes good choices, but Potiphar's wife decides that she really would like to go to bed with Joseph. Nothing happens, and Joseph is falsely accused of doing something he didn't do. And she screams rape and grabs his jacket. He runs out, and he ends up getting thrown into prison, which is where this week's story starts. Joseph is in prison, having been through some pretty terrible things. So have your Bibles open or turn them on, whatever works for you. But I want to see people set free this morning through the story of Joseph. Because I believe that unforgiveness kept Joseph in prison. Joseph went from the age of 17 to about the age of 30 before God took him out of prison. For about three years he was a slave, for about 10 years he was in prison. And I believe in that time, God was teaching Joseph. And one of the things I believe he was teaching Joseph was how to forgive. How to forgive those who had caused him offence. You see, our unforgiveness is like a prison. It holds us back. It locks us up. Nelson Mandela, who was in prison for 27 years, said this, As I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. Powerful words. Think about that. You might be free, but you're not free. And unforgiveness can make people look free on the outside, but inside they are locked up, they are bound, they are restricted, they are limited. And that was a story of Nelson Mandela, somebody who became very famous after he was set free for the work that he did in South Africa. But the story of Joseph, Joseph was also a man that was in prison. And he was in prison for, and, and he had to overcome different offences. I want to point out today three different things that Joseph had to overcome that we need to learn to overcome in our unforgiveness of other people. Number one, We're going to run through these quickly because I want to have a time of ministry at the end where we give you the opportunity for God to bring freedom in your lives, okay? So get yourselves ready for that. I want you to be ready to go, yep, I know it's awkward and uncomfortable going, people will know I'm weak. We all know each other are weak. We all know we're broken. But God wants to set you free. And I don't want to just preach the second sermon of the day for people to go, yeah, nice message, we'll go home for lunch now. I want to see people free. So if you're here today, I want you to be free in Freedom Church. It's what we called it, Freedom Church, to set people free. Number one, Joseph was imprisoned through family 
rejection. He was rejected by his family. Now, when we tell the story of Joseph, we can make it sound very palatable and all lovely because he had a beautiful rainbow coat and he danced on a stage in the West End and sang songs that rhymed. But the truth is, Joseph was hated by his brothers. Chapter 37, verse 8, he was hated. They hated him. They didn't just like, it wasn't just annoying, they hated him. They hated him so much, they thought about killing him. I mean, think about this. You know, what have you done that your brothers would want to, not just hate you, want to kill you? And then when they don't go through with killing you, they throw you in the pit and they eventually sell you into slavery. I mean, that is a, it would be a Jeremy Carl show, but that doesn't exist anymore, wouldn't it? But you can imagine the story of, of Joseph. He's being abused, being rejected, he's being sold, and his brothers then lied to his dad, so he's died, and here's a coat that's covered in blood. What a terrible rejection he had suffered. And his family had rejected him, and he had to overcome the unforgiveness, which we'll see in a few weeks' time when we bring this story to an incredible end. Joseph was this arrogant but gifted young man, um, but he had to overcome the offences that had been caused to him. He had to learn to forgive those who had hurt him. Uh, the Bible talks about Joseph, regularly says this, that God was with him. Genesis 39, 23, the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. I love the fact that Joseph, in his place of weakness and disappointment and rejection, God was with him. I want you to know today, whatever you're going through, whatever your history, whatever your backstory, God is with you. God wants you to succeed. He wants your dreams to become real because he put the dreams in you in the first place. He's the dream giver. Why would he give you a dream that he doesn't want to see happen? He wants you to happen because he's with you. He goes, I'm with you. I'm for you. That prayer that we prayed earlier with Judith, that God is beside you on the left and the right. He's gone before you. He is with you. God was with Joseph, like he is with you. Number one, he was in prison through his family rejection. Number two, he was in prison, both the real prison and also the prison of unforgiveness through false accusation. I mentioned that story earlier of Potiphar and Potiphar's wife and the way that Joseph was treated by Potiphar. In chapter 39, you can read about that, but she accused him of rape and his, her husband believed his wife over Joseph, although some scholars believed actually he would have killed Joseph as a slave for doing what he'd been accused of doing. But it was obviously he loved Joseph or liked Joseph enough to send him to prison. Apparently it was like, a, it was like an upgrade prison. It was like a nice prison for king's prisoners, you know, special prison. Maybe you got, I don't know, special food or something in this prison. Um, but he was punished for something he didn't do. He was wronged. Joseph had done nothing wrong. He'd only served faithfully. And it says in the Bible that everything he did was successful. And yet Potiphar sent him to prison. But he responded, if you look through the Bible at chapter 39, he responded with good attitude. He could have been all grumpy and annoyed. It's not fair. I've been put in prison for something I didn't do. It's not right. He could have moaned. But instead, if you go to chapter 39 and verse um, 20, 22, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. That's a good, that's a good prisoner right there, isn't it? I've got no more worries because I've got this prisoner that's running everything. I'm just lying down in the back there enjoying myself. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. 
Joseph enabled the, the warden, the chief jailer, to have no worries. In fact, that was a story for Potiphar as well. If you go back a few verses to 39 verse 6, it said the same kind of thing for Potiphar. Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned, everything. With Joseph there, this is Potiphar this time, he didn't worry about anything. Joseph's a good guy. He didn't worry about anything, says he, except what kind of food to eat. That's his only worry. Imagine that as your only worry. What shall I have for tea tonight? Is his only worry. Joseph was a, a reliable, good, hard-working guy. God was shaping him, but he was falsely accused. He was wronged. He'd, he had been punished for something he did not do. And he had to learn to forgive and overcome his unforgiveness. Number three, the last thing that Jesus was in, uh, Joseph was imprisoned through was this idea of friendly oversight. Now, I use that really because it's three Fs. I thought it might be nice. Family rejection, false accusations, and friendly oversight. Let me tell you this little bit of a strange story that Joseph experienced. He was in prison, and one day there were two new prisoners delivered to the prison. You know the story. And uh, the, the, the pharaoh had a bad day. I don't know what went wrong, but something went wrong. And his wine waiter, or his butler, was sent to prison, as was the baker, the royal baker. I'm not sure whether he burnt the bread that day or corked the bottle of wine, but whatever happened, Pharaoh was a bit annoyed and sent these two members of his staff team to prison. And the warden said to Joseph, you've got these two guys, can you look after them? And this is how the story goes. Joseph goes to see them one morning and both of them look a little bit upset. He said, what's going on? Why are you so upset? And they both said, we've had these really weird dreams and we don't know what to do with them. And it's a beautiful moment where Joseph responds with such good attitude and he says, um, interpreting dreams, uh, in verse 8, is God's business, Joseph said. But go ahead and tell me your dreams. I love the fact that Joseph still pointed to God, even though he'd been in prison for this point, eight years. After eight years of being in prison, he still has faith in God. He still believes in God, even though he's not seeing it in his everyday activity. He's in prison but he still trusts God. How many people would go, you know what, God, you've let me down. And this guy's got a dream, but I'm not interested. I'm not going to use the gifts you've given me. I'm just going to go, well, that's a, that's a nice, nice dream, but I'm not going to bother helping you out here. Instead, Joseph says, God's business, unlocking dreams. Tell me what the dream is. And so the first guy um, is the, the uh, wine waiter, uh, the butler. He goes first. He says, I've got a dream. I've got this dream. There are three branches on a vine, and there are grapes, and I take some grapes off the tree where there's three branches, and I squeeze them manfully in my hand, and I make a glass of wine. Imagine just doing that. Come on, some of you wish you could. Maybe, you know, grab hold of the grapes, pour it into, and then just offer it like a beautiful glass of wine. And he gives it to Pharaoh, and he tells this dream, and Joe says, I know what the dream is. I know the dream. I get this. He said, in three days' time, three branches, in three days, you're going to get your job back. Pharaoh's going to come knocking on your door and you'll be returned to your old job. It's all going to be okay. And at this point, the butler's thinking, fantastic. But then Joseph is a little bit cheeky and adds in a bit extra from himself. Have you ever done this before where you do the right thing and then you add in your own thing? Is that just me? You know, you kind of you do what you know you're meant to do and then you just think, well, while I'm here, can I just drop into your thinking something that will be for my benefit? And Joseph does this. 
And he, he tells the story, and he says, yes, this was going to happen. And he said, um, verse 14, and then please remember me. And do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so that he might let me out. You, you see the, the me. I'm, I'm accentuating it to make the point here. But Joe's like going, you know what? Remember me. When you've got this kind of special deal, I've just kind of, you know, I've told you your dream. Can you do something in return for me? And then verse 15, he carries on. I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews. I'm here in prison. I did nothing to deserve it. He's still angry. For R.T. Kendall, a well-known preacher and writer, writes in his book about Joseph, he says you know, that Joseph hadn't fully understood forgiveness at this point because then he would have been able to say, actually, it's okay. He still wasn't fully forgiving his family for what they did to him. He still wasn't fully forgiving Potiphar and Potiphar's wife for what they did to him. He was still grappling with unforgiveness. And it was a further two full years, the writer says in Genesis 41, two full years before we see um, Joseph released from prison. And so we have this moment where, where Joseph is still telling the story and wants help. He's saying to the butler, please remember me. And then the other guy also had a dream, the baker, kind of hears the story that Joseph's told. He goes, you know what? I think this could be a good time to tell you my dream because it sounds like a really positive outcome that you've got from my friend here. So the baker tells his story. He was walking along. He's got three trays of pastries on his head. And the birds come and they eat the pastries from the very top on top of his head. And at that point, Joseph kind of goes, oh, not all dreams are good dreams. Um, you know, money can go up, money can go down. It's not so good. And he went, ah, I'm really sorry to say, in three days, Pharaoh will summon you so you can be killed. And you can read in the Bible, it's pretty more graphic than that. And uh, he tells this story, and he says to him, this is what's going to happen. I mean, that's three bad nights ahead of you, isn't it, sleeping on that one? Uh, really? Anyway, three days go past, and Pharaoh has a birthday. And he decides, as part of his birthday celebrations, that he will bring the wine waiter back onto his staff team. And he will kill. I mean, what did the poor baker do? He must have really messed up the bread. And he kills the baker. This is the story. And the dreams came to pass. But here's the bit I want to point out about this story, was that Joseph said to the butler, would you remember me? And I'm sure in the enthusiasm of the moment, the butler would go, yeah, of course I will. Thanks for helping me out. Great answer to my dream. I'm really excited. But then it said in the Bible, he then forgets Joseph. I don't think it was deliberate. I just think he got on with his life. That he was promised something or he was hoping for something to happen. Joseph was in prison for two years, hoping that somebody would wave the flag for him and nothing happened. Joseph was left in prison. He was facing this friendly oversight. But you see, God had a plan for Joseph. And God has a plan for you and for I. And his plan and his timing is perfect. I know it can be frustrating because we all think that God's timing should be the same as our timing. That if only, God, you understood how important this event was for me or, or this activity or this relationship, God, would you fix it? God's going, I've got something better. But you need to learn to trust me. Be patient. And God is preparing us for something else every stage of our lives. And God is preparing Joseph for something greater. And he left him in prison for two further years, I believe, so he could shape the 17-year-old lad to become a 30-year-old man that could actually present to Pharaoh with authority when the time came. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourself, and in due time, God may exalt you. 
Our job is to humble ourselves and trust God. Or Ecclesiastes 3, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. I love that. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. God's got a plan. It's different probably to your plan. It's probably better. And it's his timing. And we need to trust him and be patient. So at the end of the story for today, there was a moment where Pharaoh has a dream. It's his turn. And he has a random old dream. You can read all about it in Genesis 41. He's got seven fat cows, seven thin cows, seven corns of ear. How on earth do you have fat corns of ear with thin corns of ear? I have no idea. Maybe there's some farmers in the house who can help me. But he has this weird dream. And he says to all of his court, he says, who can help me understand the dream? And all of his wise men say, got no idea. Sorry, Pharaoh. That's a brave thing. But none of them can help him. And at that point, his wine waiter, his you know, personal assistant, his butler, steps forward, probably slightly nervously. He says, you know, two years ago, I had a dream when you... Remember that time you sent me to prison? Don't want to bring it up again, a bit awkward. I went to prison and um, I had a dream. And someone in prison actually understood my dream. He had a guard who could tell me what the dream meant. And Joseph is sent for. Pharaoh sends for Joseph. And there's a lovely little moment in that where it says, Joseph had a shave and put on some clean clothes. It's a lovely bit of detail there. And he appears before Pharaoh. And we'll continue that bit of the story next week. Because I want to take a few moments from that story for us to learn something and move on as people who want to follow Jesus. If you want to... It's a, it's a quote from Dave Smith, who leads Kingsgate Church in um, Peterborough, who wrote a book on Joseph, said this, If you want to live the dream, it is essential that we live free from offence. Nothing blocks our dreams more effectively than unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment. Nothing can block the dreams more than unforgiveness, bitterness, or resentment. And God's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for you, which is great, but sometimes that plan can be slowed down because of our unwillingness to actually overcome unforgiveness. Unforgiveness can stop us from moving forward with our lives and our dreams. It's like we're stuck in a prison. Maybe not a real one, but in a virtual one. It stops us from achieving what God's got for us. My key thought for you today is unforgiveness will limit our dreams. Our dreams are our God-given potential that God has spoken over us. And our unforgiveness, our unwillingness to actually forgive someone else can stop us from being free. I also believe that our unforgiveness can affect us physically. There was a study done over 18 years by a psychologist. It's a fascinating study where he studied unforgiveness and physical um, attributes. I'm not saying if you are physically unwell, you have unforgiveness. Don't make that mistake. But I do believe that when you struggle with unforgiveness, it can affect you physically. And some of you will know when you're under stress, you know, your shoulders will hunch up and you feel a little bit limited and you feel a kind of a tension. And I heard a story last week of a lady who went, was at church and she had her neck and a neck brace. And um, she went forward to receive prayer for overcoming unforgiveness. And that when she did that, she got back to her seat having had the prayer, someone spoke to her without thinking. She turned her neck and she suddenly realised she was physically healthy again because she'd said she wanted to say sorry and, and bring forgiveness and to break free the chains that were holding her back spiritually affected her physically. I believe the God who made you and me understands our emotions and our mental well-being and our physical well-being, our spiritual well-being are all tied together. 
I'm not talking about weird Middle Eastern, you know, kind of philosophy. I'm talking about the God just made all of us in one place. He didn't go, your head's over here, your spirit's over here, your physical stuff. He's going, no, you're all one. And when he wants you to be healthy and fit and fully free in who you're meant to be. And that starts with unforgiveness. It eats away at you. It can hold you back. It can imprison you. But you have a chance today for some of us here, we're going to see some freedom in the house, I believe, this morning. Ephesians 4 says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Nice verse, isn't it? How are we all doing? Everyone good? That's what it says. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words. Get rid of all of it. Instead, be kind to each other. Be tender-hearted. Forgive one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We need to overcome the unforgiveness in our lives. I believe that God has got a dream for your life and for my life. He's got a plan for you, a dream for you, a unique part to play in his unfinished story. Your history does not preclude you from seeing that dream fulfilled, but your unforgiveness will limit you from seeing that take place. I know this is a tough uh, presentation. I know that for some of you, you're going, this is uncomfortable. This is awkward. I don't want to have this conversation. I'd rather be somewhere else right now. But I believe that God is starting to shine a light on some things in your lives where there is unforgiveness. And I'm not pointing because I'm in the same boat as everyone else here. I, I've, I've had those moments and things I wish I'd done differently. And I need to overcome my unforgiveness. Even in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, what does it say? Dear God, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. God, forgive our sins. There's like a clause there, isn't it? It goes, yeah, God, would you forgive us as we forgive others? And, and, and it's like a condition going, well, we need to start forgiving if we want God to be one who forgives us. God wants to forgive us, but he challenges us to forgive others so that we can be fully free. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.